And we're going to start with South Africa, where they celebrated Mandela Day um, on the 18th of July. And it's also always a very special day. It's actually an international day, but um, of course, mostly celebrated over there. And we have someone from 10,000 kilometers away in Cape Town who is uh, on Skype with us. And I'm going to talk to him. His name is Theo. Theo Mayakiso. Hello, Theo. Hi, hi, Ruth. Nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking this call. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome, Ruth. You are there in winter, aren't you, in Cape Town? It's winter today. It's rainy. It's wet. <laughs> you don't want to be outside. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we're, we're melting away here in the studio. It's very, very hot. <laughs> so oh, my. I uh, wish I was there. <laughs> Okay, Theo, we, we are actually talking here about Mandela Day because uh, here in Ireland, I don't think many people know what exactly it is. So could you explain a little bit? It's the birthday of Mandela, isn't it? Are you celebrating? Yes, it's the birthday of Mandela. And um, yeah, it's it's a big thing here in South Africa and everybody is talking about doing something. I don't know if you are aware of the 57 minutes, you know, which is um, giving one minute of every year of Mandela's public service. Yeah. So people basically think about trying to figure out what they're going to do. And yeah, yeah, it's it's a big deal. Yeah, and everyone really does give the 67 minutes, don't they? They, they do some free service somewhere. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. That is an amazing thing to do, really. Yeah, except people for myself who reckon that every day is a Mandela day. <laughs> yeah, tell us, tell us, you're doing fantastic work yourself, don't you? What, what is it exactly you do? Just explain it a bit. Well, we, um, uh, we do, we work in the community. We underprivileged people in the so-called township in South Africa. Uh, I think in other places they would call uh, they would call these places ghettos or slums, okay. and we reach out to the most uh, vulnerable you know, members of the community, starting with the children, you know, children's outreach right up to the elderly, okay. uh, ranging from health issues, nutrition issues. Um, and and so forth, you know, just just um, looking at the whole uh, socio-economic uh, challenges that people are faced with. Yeah, and it's still uh, a big problem, isn't it, uh, in South Africa? These townships and the oh poverty. yeah, yeah, it is it is a big problem. I mean, uh, I was just reading in the paper now. We used to be. Uh, the country with the second largest divide between the rich and the poor. And they say now we're first, um, which is not something to be proud of, about. So there is still a lot of work to do and, you know, bridging the gap between the have and have not. Yeah. Um, one would have expected that 21 years after independence, we would have... Um, gone a long way but you know some some changes have happened but there is still a very long way to go 
Yeah, so I, I guess on, on a day like Mandela Day, you would wonder, uh, you would think about this now, wouldn't you? How far have we come? What has changed? Uh, has it improved at all? But there, there have been some changes, I think. Some improvements. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Ross, there have been some changes. And I think those of us that have lived through apartheid mm-hmm. and have seen what it was like then, uh, we can look back and say we've come a long way. Okay. But we have a new generation that has not seen that. And they look at what is at the present South Africa, they, uh, they begin to wonder what has changed. Uh, because the divide is there. Um, like Thabo Mbeki once said, we are a country of two nations, one white, relatively well off, and uh, and one black and poor, and yeah. and it's still there. I mean, you see it. You come into the country uh, as you fly over Cape Town. Um, you know, you see the slums on one side, and you see the the very rich, and 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 it's there for everyone to see. So the younger generation is questioning that to the extent that they even, you know, question the role of Mandela himself and saying, you know, um, what has really happened? And, and you can't blame them from their perspective. And I think Mandela was uh, very anxious to to not displease the whites too much. There wouldn't be more trouble afterwards. Is that? But it is. Some people would say he didn't go far enough. I think. Yeah. Yes, I think Mandela wanted to avoid civil war. Yeah. I mean, again, you put yourself in his place. The guy had been in prison for twenty-seven years, mm. and. Um, you know, and the government of the day wants to uh, initiate talks and they start talking and he gives them the benefit of the doubt and he says, let's talk and they enter into discussions. Yeah. And, and and of course, um, I think at that time, uh, you know, the, the ANC was was tired. I mean, they, the armed struggle had taken years and so forth. Um, and I think uh, Mandela was for compromise, which um, a lot of people think was necessary. Yeah. But I think um, I think you know the ANC bent over backwards, really, okay. and the black majority ended up getting the short end of uh, the short end of the stick. I heard some people say here there's a few um, South Africans living in, in Ireland and one of them was telling me what is happening now as well though is that there is it's becoming also a class struggle like that there are a lot of not a lot there are a good few though um, very very wealthy black people as well in South Africa but what is com- what is happening now is that they become the gentrified class as well and that is also a class struggle going on between rich and poor is that is that uh, also true I do agree that there are those that um but but there are very few really mm. that have been able to accumulate wealth as a result of 
political connections and so forth. Uh, but um, the, the numbers are very small. Okay. Um, I mean, I just got a figure. Um, the other day we had a minister speaking here in our community where he was, she was giving an example. And she says, as, as minister uh, of public enterprise, uh, one of the companies that uh, under her portfolio, and she says, you know, we have four companies there that have a net worth of 50 billion rands, and they're all in, in white hands. And she admitted, and she says, you know, we have political power, but we don't have economic power. And we're trying very hard to change things. Uh, and it's not easy. It, it's not easy. That's basically what it is um, in South Africa now. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed that there is a bit of media bias here in, in some radio stations. When they talk about racism here, they, they often mention South Africa and they say, see, there is reverse racism going on in South Africa now. Is that true at all? I don't think so, but I would just like to no, hear it no, from you. Mm. That, that, that's definitely not true. In fact, I don't know how much of what is happening here um, you've been following. I mean, we had a situation not a few months ago of fees must fall where black students in tertiary institutions basically went out and protested because the fees are skyrocketing yeah. and so forth. Yeah, I thought that one. Yeah, in the midst of that, there was something that was really interesting. As the police were coming to, uh, you know, to break the protests up and to really uh, stop them, um, there was a group of white students Mm-hmm. that decided to form a chain between, uh, separating the, the police and the black students. Yeah. So they were using uh, their white privilege to exactly, protect the black Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that was just a clear demonstration wow. again. Mm. That and, and they knew that. They knew that, you know, if they do that as whites, uh, the, the reaction would be different. Um, and so... The, the white people are still very privileged. They still have life easy. And, and I think if one was talking about reverse racism, it would be that black people are beginning, are realizing that um, the, the democratic dispensation has not really delivered much okay. um, in terms of addressing the inequalities. Yeah. Thea, we're going to take a, a small break with a, a bit of music and I'll come back to you, okay? We're going to listen to uh, Miriam Makeba. I think it's the perfect song for right now. Aluta Continua.
Okay, so we were talking about racism and uh, this is, of course, a topic that is very high on everybody's agenda these days in the world, I would say. Do you follow what's going on in, in places like America and Europe? Yes, yes. Um, the Black Matters movement uh, in America and, um, you know, the sort of uh, immigration issues that you have uh, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. We're we following what's happening uh, around the world. Yeah, because, you know, because racism is really raising its ugly head everywhere again. What would you say to, to people? You know, you, you've been through apartheid, you've been through all the suffering and um, and you see this happening around the world What are your thoughts on that now? Is it that must be very upsetting, no? Yeah, I mean it definitely is. And um, I have friends, very close friends of mine, who um, are black and look at what is happening and feel that there need to be um, some very strong action taken against that. Yeah. Um, I, you know, if, if we were to look at some of the incidences that have taken place in America and the police killings, and, you know, there are people who feel that what, what you know, retaliating against that is the way to go in order to get the message mm-hmm. out and clear. Um, I personally don't subscribe to that view, as much as one realizes that that we we have a serious problem that needs to be addressed and um and i think the the view is that um a lot of white people tend to be in denial um about racism yeah. and probably because um they have never felt what it's like to be discriminated against. Um, but, you know, you you look at um, um, at America, for instance, you know, um, I, I have had the privilege of um, spending some time there some years back. And even then, you could always, you could always, uh, talking to African-Americans, pick up the, the black pain that um, that white Americans have never really, really uh, understood, could never really identify with. Yeah. But there are a few voices, though, that have come out, you know, from amongst the white population where people, I think, have really worked hard to try to understand what it's like. And maybe using some of the experiences that they have had in regards to the whole area of exclusion and, and being discriminated against. Uh, and one would hope and pray that those voices would be louder and louder, that hopefully others will, will come to understand how painful it is and, and how um, unpleasant it is to be, to be discriminated against. Uh, on the basis of what you can't do anything about. Um, and, and so, yeah, the, what is happening around the world is very concerning. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, it's time that people woke up and said, you know, we will not allow ourselves to to be devoured by by you know this this scourge of racism. Yeah, and I think what you say there about white denial is absolutely right. And there's a new um, a new hashtag, isn't it? White silence is violence, and uh, and I think it is true. But I think it's a big step for white people to recognize what is happening because I, I always say we're not born racist. Nobody is born racist, but we are brought up in a racist way in the sense that we what we learn in school the way we're educated you know even in europe we don't learn much about our colonial past and it's all these things we we only learn that for example african people are poor or you know that they need aid that's all we see we only see uh, health problems uh, hunger and poverty and that's the way people grow up here with that idea in mind. And I think that is an, a serious problem as well, isn't it? I think education is one of the things that might help. Uh, definitely, I would agree. I mean, again, here yeah, in South Africa, many people thought that uh, the, the born free, uh, both black and white, would, um, you know, the whole thing of uh, discrimination would be foreign to them. Uh, but that's not true because... You know, as they grow up with parents who have, um, you know, who have raised, who were raised in that sort of dispensation, and uh, and children pick those things up. You know, the little happy and they don't even have to say things that are racist, but you know, the the actions and and so forth. And so, education is is very key, and I think we need to revisit uh, from all sides how um, the next generation is raised and how those of us that have been part of this can be rescued from from the mentality and the mindset. Um, and I mean, it's a lot of work. It's overwhelming when you think about it. But, it is, yeah. But, yeah. but that's, it needs to happen. It we, has we, to happen cannot maintain the status quo and continue going um, as if we have not had this um, this problem in the world. It is uh, pretty scary what's going on, but on a good note now, we organized uh, Black Lives Matter uh, Solidarity Demo here in Cork, and I must say three quarters of the people there were white, so I, I, quite, I was really pleased to see that. <laughs> we organized, wow. yeah, that was really good, so, you know, there is hope, definitely there is hope, because these people will bring their kids up in the right way, I think, and uh, that's that's what we the way to look at it, and and just hope that we can bring it in schools and you know get the right education there. I wish we could have a movement like that in South Africa, but of course, with the whites being in the minority, mm. um, they don't see it that way. I mean, they um, the, the mindset is different, but but I mean that's something that uh, I'm glad it's happening there. Yeah. Yeah, and that the movement is seem to be really taking root. Yeah, it's a constant struggle, of course, and I think we need to keep on pushing it. But uh, it's uh, yeah, definitely, definitely, there are some good signs here as well. So that is that is great. 
Unfortunately, we're going to have to stop. I could talk for another two hours with you, Theo. <laughs> we'll need to keep you as our informant in uh, in South Africa, maybe. Thank you so much for coming yeah. on. Thank you, Rose, and thank you for the good work you're doing. I mean, I'm following you and all the stuff that you're doing and, uh, you know, all the best with your work and your initiatives and also your radio stations. Okay, thank you so much. And all the best for you as well, because you're doing fantastic, fantastic work there in uh, Cape Town at the moment as well. So stay warm, stay dry, and uh, <laughs> and we'll talk to you again.